Have a seat. song. My name is Ed Hires. I'm one of the pastors here at Shiloh. We welcome you all that have taken some time to meet with us today and all of you out there that are listening in. Welcome. Uh, We are continuing our series on the book of Psalms and uh, our overall series title, A Summer Playlist. So that song you just heard by Nat King Cole is entitled Unforgettable. So I grew up with a father that loved music. So my dad, they didn't have technology back then, but they had um, TVs and stereos and everything. So my dad, I lived in, was born and raised in Atlantic City. He was the first person in all of Atlantic City to get a color TV. So when that arrived in our house, all these people flocked to our house to see what color TV really looked like. And if you've, how many people have ever heard of the show Bonanza? All right, a lot of you. That flame that would come up in the, in the opening, oh my, it was actually orange and red. So that was a big deal. No, that's absolutely more than you need to know. Oh, let me add a little more. So my dad had a stereo room, and it used to be back in those days, all stereos were console. Stereo was a big deal, by the way, instead of mono. But they would have two speakers and a thing in the middle that was in a cabinet. Well, my dad was the, one of the first ones to get these huge separate speakers with a tuner which was unheard of back then. And he would have the stereo room and he would put the lights out and he would sit in his recliner and lean back and listen to music. And guess what? There were two recliners there. 
So that was one of the ways I spent time with my dad. I would go in and I'd listen to Nat King Cole, uh, Bing Crosby, uh, the Mills Brothers, uh, Frank Sinatra. And I really, at that point, I think, developed my love for music. I love pretty much all kinds of music. Some of the punk stuff I can do without, but uh, the rest of it I really like. But Nat King Cole was one of the greatest singers of his time. In fact, I believe Nat King Cole was probably one of the greatest singers of all time. Very sadly, died in his 40s of lung cancer. Smoked, smoked, smoked a lot. But he had over 100 songs that made the pop charts back then, many of them going on to be number one on those charts. So some stats about this song you'll find interesting. He was, this song was released the year I was born. I know you're thinking 85, 82, you know, no. No, I know, it's coming as a shock. It was 51. 51, huh? I remember when 51 sounded ancient. Um, it would go on, by the way, to win, win Song of the Year later when his daughter, Natalie Cole, would record it with him after his death. Long story on that one. Uh, so you might say, Ed, why are you bringing this song from somebody from, you know, 69 years ago? And perhaps the title of my message will give you a clue. Unforgettable to unoffendable. Okay, so something you don't know about me. I am a songwriter. I know, you're thinking, is there no end to this man's talents? Let's not make this about me. Let's, let's just move on. So, the song that I have written, I know it may sound a little like this song, but trust me, it is my own original composition. And here to sing it for you today, in person, none other than Stephen King Hamas. Steve, come sing for us, unoffendable.
I mean, seriously. Now, Steve, I know you think they're clapping for your vocal. They're actually clapping for the lyrics. But you did good, too. You did good, too. I like that. I like it. Absolutely like it. It's, it's really good. So I think, personally, this could be an Emmy contender. I'm not sure, but I am submitting it. And if I get to go, I'm going to invite as many of you as I possibly can get tickets for to come here unoffendable. So that is our topic for today, unoffendable. Now, there are some of you grammar nerds out here, and you're thinking, is that really a word? Well, of course it's a word. It's right there on the screen. However, however, yes, you're correct. It's not in Merriam-Webster's dictionary, but it should be. Let's look at some other unwords. Unhealthy, not healthy. Unkind, not kind. Uncontrollable, not controllable. Unoffendable, not offendable. What's up? So, just so you'll know, I am not on uppers. This is the way I am normally. That word is in the Oxford Dictionary. Yes, and who are smarter? Americans or people that go to Oxford? Come on. I'm saying I feel vindicated. I feel vindicated. So, on a more serious note, not totally serious, but on a more serious note, we're going to be looking today at Psalm 119. Psalm 119 has a, has a wonderful designation, the most, the most verses of any psalm, 176 verses. Wow. So to take a page from Greg, we're all going to stand and we're going to read it together. It'll take about 20 minutes, it'll eat up my message, and we can all go home. Just kidding. All right. Let me tell you something interesting, though, about Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is an acrostic, which many people don't know. And what that means is they take the first letter, uh, they take the letters of the Hebrew alphabet, of which there's 22, and all 22 of those stanzas start with a letter of the alphabet. So if it were our alphabet, we'd have 26 stanzas. The first one would start with A, the second one with B, C. But here's the other interesting thing. Not only does, it, does the first stanza start with A, but there are eight verses in every stanza, and every verse would begin with A. So think how it would be to make a book that complete and connected and be able to do that. It is, uh, in my mind, just shy of a miracle. So we're not going to be looking at all 76, 176 verses we're actually going to be looking at only one, and that's Psalm 119, 165. I have like th- five famous or favorite scriptures of all time. This is one of them. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. So let's start by taking that word offend, and what does it really mean? So you'll see uh, our, the definition up here. It means to irritate or annoy, to anger, to cause resentful displeasure in, and to hurt or cause pain to. See, all these emotions that we sometimes have, we many times don't tie them to being offended, but that's actually what they are. The root cause of those are somehow or other we have become offended. And when that happens, we act out. So many of us, if we took the time to think about it, can usually think of some time in our lives that we have been offended by someone or something. Someone said something to us, done something to us. So I'm going to pick on Kylie because she took the real risk coming to church today. So Kylie, by the way, I'm sorry about the camera. You probably can't see me now. Kylie, have you ever been offended by anything? 
I'm not going to ask you what it was, so don't, don't worry about that. But have you ever been offended by anyone or anything said to you or done to you? Yeah, and can you, like, think of a, maybe a pretty significant one right now? Okay, and did I do it? Okay, good. All right. So, and I think probably on that, you can actually remember where you were, what was done or said, and you can relive it pretty clearly in your mind. So I have one of those. I don't have many, but I have one of those. And he, he could be listening in. So if you're listening in, hi, Tom. Nice to see you. I'll give you his last name just in case. Tom Petrovsky. So Tom was a member of our church. I was an elder. We were at a meeting, a bunch of leaders there. And Tom had this idea. And I, I don't remember exactly what the idea was, but it was something, I think, to build or buy a home and make it a youth home or something like that, which I thought was the dumbest idea I'd heard. Okay, and I'm 25. You may think I'm a little bit forward now. You didn't know me at 25. So when Tom got done with all these leaders all around, I was semi-polite, but I said, Tom, I think your timing on this couldn't be worse. I don't really think this is something we should be doing. Uh, I would really recommend we postpone on this. Now, that was before anyone else got to say anything, okay? And I was an elder, so I jump in there. So Tom decides at that moment it would be good to explain to me everything he finds offensive in me, which was a decent amount, uh, which I didn't know he had that much, but he did. And you may think that like three minutes is is a short time. Well, it's not when people are basically tearing you apart. So I remember just sitting there and being so offended so angry, so shocked, so hurt. I, my eyes started to water. I was so upset. I remember leaving, and as we were driving out, I thought I was upset. My wife was just as much upset, telling me how dare him do this, and blah, 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 blah. So it really hurt the relationship between Tom and I and, and, until, until God spoke to me one time, one day, and said, hey, Ed, not in your audible voice, but came through loud and clear, Ed, you know, the way Tom did that really wasn't right. But pretty much everything he said was true. Ooh, <laughs> ouch is right. Ouch. And it, but it caused me to turn a lot of things in my life around and do things differently than I did before. And, and fortunately, you know, we had a great relationship after that, Tom and I, and still do. Tom, I love you. I haven't seen you in 20 years, but uh, if, you see, if you hear this, love you, brother, give me a call. In the... Oxford Dictionary, the word unoffendable, means incapable of being offended, unlikely to take offense. So I find this definition interesting. So here's why. The first part of it says you're incapable of it. That's pretty absolute, right? You're incapable of that. I'm incapable of bench pressing 300 pounds. He looks like he could probably press 300 pounds. Close. He offends me, by the way, looking that good, but don't, not your fault. All right. So... The second part, though, says unlikely to take offense. See, I think that definition is much more applicable to us as human beings. The opposite, then, of being offended is that it's unlikely that you and I would become irritated or angry by what others say, that we are unlikely to be hurt or cause pain by what other people say or do. I would submit that's very difficult. Jesus says this, though, in Luke 17. It's a hard scripture. It says, then he said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through, to whom they do come. 
It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. So it is a hard scripture. And I don't know about you, but when it comes to hard scriptures, sometimes I read them, but I want to move on. See, I like scriptures like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I like that one. You know, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I can meditate on that one all day long. All right, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. See, I like those scriptures. But I I believe that in this situation, Jesus says something really important for us. And it's not an easy saying. But I believe we ignore it at our pearl. Your pearl, my pearl. If you've heard any of my messages over the last three months, I have a theme that runs through them. And I'm the type of person that when God gets hold of me on something, I just can't let it go till he tells me to let it go. And I, I haven't felt that. And I look at our world today, you know, I'm almost 70 years old. I look at my world today, your world. I've never seen it the way it is right now. I've never seen the division. I've never seen the polarization. I've never seen so many people on so many different items and issues and situations be so convicted. And I watch people everywhere being hurt and just rolled under the bus in the process. If you look out, we have so many things. Coronavirus. I mean, I will tell you, this thing is, it's the disease is horrible, if you even believe there is a disease, which some people don't. But if you do, it's horrible. But what's also horrible is the way it is dividing, not just our country, right? But it's dividing the church in a lot of ways. You know, some people won't come here on Sunday because they have to wear a mask to walk in. Some people won't come here on Sunday because they want people wearing masks all the time. I have nothing, none of my opinions on any of this is coming through this message. Understand that. I'm just stating facts. I mean, I was out in a public setting, a restaurant setting, and in walking out with my wife, I had a mask on when I was up from the table walking around, and I had a Christian just accost me. You know, why are you doing that? Why are you playing in the hands of, of all this stuff that's going on, and you should, you know, you're free to da 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 And I, you know, I just didn't know what to say. I, I just said, wow, that's interesting. Politics. Joe Biden. Donald Trump. Come on. Can you have opinions on two of them? Kamala Harris, Mike Pence, far right, far left. I mean, oh my goodness. We have never seen political polarization at this level, at this level for this long. Economic issues. What do I hear? You know what? Those people get off their butt and go back to work instead of taking our money that it's going to take our grandkids, you know, their entire lifetime to pay back. But no, they're not going to go to work because they can get their money and stay home. And then I hear, you know, I've never been out of work a day in my life. But I can't go back. I can't find a job. I have to be careful. I'm I'm susceptible to this disease, and I can't just take any job anywhere. It's just one thing after another that people come up with. Racial issues. 
I know people that won't watch professional sports that are great professional sports lovers because they won't watch something when people are going to kneel and when they're going to have slogans on their shirts like Black Lives Matter. They won't do it. And then I hear other people that say, there's no way we're doing anywhere near enough. I hear others say, you know, police are at the, at the crux of this whole thing. And then I hear other people say, hey, that's such a small minority. I, I hate these people that blame police. On and on and on it goes. Thousands of, offen- of offenses occurring every day, causing division and disunity in this country like we've never seen before. But here's the problem. The problem is that it's in our churches. Listen, I haven't given you one iota of where I stand. I, t- I told you I wore a mask when I got coming out of a restaurant. That shouldn't be overly uh, transparent. But, but here's the issue. You're not called, and I'm not called, to convince other people that our view on all these things is right. You're not called to convince them it's wrong. Let me tell you, as the church of Jesus Christ, what you're called to. You're called to take the love, the joy, and the peace of Jesus Christ to a dying and a lost world. Paul said, this is what I know. This is my gospel, Christ and him crucified. My reason for saying this is I don't want you to know what I believe. I don't need you to know what I believe. It doesn't matter what I believe. But what does matter is I want to bring the love of Christ to you. So I want to keep my opinions many times to myself. And and hear my heart on this. I need you to keep yours to yourself. The church has to heal in this time. The church is not meant to go out and campaign and and find offenses everywhere we go. Look, if God sends you to someone to explain something to them and you feel God, look, I'm not saying that's not the case. If you want to go in 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 an orderly protest for whatever, look, that's your right. But it's the harsh sharing and commentary. It's the social media, you know, significant commentary by Christians. I hear people say, you know what? If that's Christianity, I want no part of it. And I have to tell you sometime, if I weren't a Christian watching that, I wouldn't want any part of it either. It's difficult to be above offense. It's difficult. But God says it's possible. Great peace have they with love thy law. Nothing shall offend them. We can do this together as a church. We can. Psalm 119, 165, show that one more time. Great peace have they which love thy law, nothing shall offend them. So what is God's law that we're to love? What is it? What are we supposed to be adhering to? What is this law of love? Well, Jesus makes it easy for us. In Matthew 22, he says, this is it. My law is summarized in just this few words. You're to love God with your whole being, and to you, you are to love others as yourself. Everything, there you go, you're done. Jesus actually notched this up, didn't he, when he, just before he died. He said that we're to love God with our whole being, but what else? We're to love our neighbor as he has loved them. He said, as I have loved you. You see, when you and I decide to love God with our whole being, when we decide to love others as we do ourselves, or in this case, as Jesus loved, 
lo and behold, we become above offense. And when that happens, we get this peace. It's not just peace, it's great peace. Great peace. I love 1 Corinthians 13, one of the definitions of love in the living. It says, love hardly notices when others do it wrong. I love that. But let me, let me talk to myself here. Sometimes what I do is I kind of look, overlook the love God, love others, and I talk about love me. Okay, so I get offended because I love me, and when you criticize me or attack me, I respond to you. But my love is supposed to be for God and for others as a focus. God takes care of the loving of me. Love and offense cannot occupy the same space at the same time. There's an old adage. It says, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words can never hurt me. That's a lie. (laughs) Okay? Unless. Okay, that's a lie unless we choose to love those name-calling people. To love those. Now, I'm going to tell you this, because I'm very, usually very transparent and honest. So I'm preaching this message this Sunday, right? So I start working on it. You know, probably last week is when the Lord just kind of gave me some of this download. And I hate to get up and preach something at you that I don't do myself. So while I think I do this a lot, as I now start paying attention, I find out this is really hard. Okay, because I don't know whether God did it specifically in this week or whether it always happens and I just never realized it. But all of a sudden, I had people doing and saying things to me that I was offended by. And I had to make a decision. But here's what I learned. I learned that over this week that in those times, if I literally stopped, shut my mouth, offered it up to God, said something uplifting instead of retaliatory or defensive, that peace just comes on you. So I don't have to own that. I don't have to own that criticism. You know, I don't, I can listen to it. If God says something to me, I'll be glad to. But, but a couple of them, they weren't mine to own. They weren't an issue for me. But by not rising to that occasion, you know, I have opinions on everything, just so you'll know. I have opinions on everything I talk to you about. And they're strong ones. But I don't need to share those with you. They're my opinions. I don't want to offend anyone. So why is it so important? Why would Jesus emphasize this? Let's look at Proverbs 18, 19. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate with locked, locked with bars. Proverbs 18, 20, 21. Words satisfy the mind as much as fruit does the stomach. Good talk is as gratifying as a good harvest. Words kill, words give life. They either poison, they're either poison or fruit. You choose. Steve Furtick said this. If you don't know who Steve is, he's a very well-known pastor uh, on TV, large church. Offense is an event. Being offended is a decision. We're the church. We are the light to the world. We are to take the good news of the gospel. I want to encourage you this week. It's hard. With everything going on today and all that we're hearing and 
Everybody's got opinions on everything. We, you know, we get angry when we watch news, depending on which station we're watching it on. We just have so many things. People are out of work. People are in difficult financial troubles. People are sick. And, you know, we have such an opportunity to be a light to this world. I want to encourage you. Hear my heart. You know, I know this message could offend someone, and that's the last thing I want to do. But just hear my heart. Can you join me this week in really watching your words, in really trying not to say things that can cause someone else to stumble? Maybe you're right. Maybe they're wrong. But the Scripture says, welcome them with open arms. Can you think about the words that you'll say this week? Can you watch what you say? Can you think about someone who offended you? And can you go and let them know that you forgive them? Or maybe that'll cause more issues, so maybe all you need to do is go and tell them you love them and miss them, because normally we don't enter into relationships where we've been offended. And if, if you've offended someone, can you go ask for forgiveness so we have this both sides of the equation? It's not easy. But, but church, we have got to be different. We have got to be different. The word says, come out from among them and be ye separate. And it, you know, I don't care how young you are, I don't care how old you are, I don't care how smart you are or how non-smart you are. Everyone here has a chance this week, next week, the week after that, to be a missionary for Jesus Christ and not a missionary for the problems of this world. This world is literally going to hell in a handbasket. But we are the light in that handbasket. Father, help us this week. Help us, Father, to see the truth of the fact we can be unoffendable. Lord, we can love your law. We can love you and love others, and we can literally be above offense. It takes practice, Father. It's not easy. But you said we can do it. You don't lie, Father. And not only that, but not only do we not offend others, not only we don't get that we don't get offended, but we get this peace. And you said it's not just peace, it's great peace. Oh, Father, help us not to own offenses. Help us to watch what we say and do, do not bring them. Father, this week, oh, good Lord, show us the right place for the church to reside. Help us to realize it's not about us. It's only about your kingdom. Father, let us do and say what promotes and builds the kingdom. Lord, so what if we're right? So what if someone else is wrong? The issue is, Lord, who's going to heaven, who's going to hell? Nothing else really matters, Father, except that that we get to know you on this earth. So, Father, help us to be bridges of peace and joy and love. Help us, Lord, to turn things around by what we do and what we say in a positive way. Oh, Lord, what a blessing to know that we are unoffendable. And we can live that out as we trust in you, as we love you, we love those you put in our path. Oh, Father, I ask this freeing word to sink deep in our hearts, I pray. In Jesus, your name, I ask this. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for joining in, whether you're here or there. Have a wonderful Sunday and a wonderful weekend, and go in peace.